Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. From Decrypt Media, this is the Decrypt Daily, and my name is Matthew Diemer. Today on the show, senators, volcanoes, and taxes. <laughs> what an interesting news cycle. That's coming up today on the Decrypt Daily. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. Today is, what is today? Thursday, June 10th, 2021. I think I'm going to go into the taxes part of this show today because it's kind of a little, I don't know, thought experiment, rant, um, I guess a no-duh statement or a epiphany that everybody had yesterday about rich people and taxes. Apparently, ProPublica, they acquired the tax forms or tax reports of a bunch of wealthy people and found out that they pay very little in taxes or no taxes at all. There's many different scenarios to get you to the same, I guess, result. But it's all about borrowing against your wealth, borrowing against your assets. There's a way you can inherit money and borrow against that with a zero cost basis. And there's another way of maybe not taking a salary from your company or a CEO. Instead of taking millions of dollars in salary, you just get stock options and borrow against that to live. ProPublica, they put out an instruction video to show you how this works. Links in the show notes in a Twitter thread. And there's two ways that this is going to work. And they put out an instruction video too to show you how this works. And let me just nutshell this for you. Let's just say you have $100 million of Bitcoin and somebody dies, like a family member, and and you inherit $100 million worth of Bitcoin. Well, just say that $100 million of Bitcoin was, I don't know, a cost basis of $100 per Bitcoin. Somebody bought $100 million worth of Bitcoin in today's prices, but it was $100 per Bitcoin. Well, $100 per Bitcoin to what we're seeing at today's price, which is going to be $37,000 or $38,000, is a lot of gains, right? You would expect somebody would pay taxes on that. Well, when somebody dies and transfers you those Bitcoins, your cost basis is zero, meaning that there is no profit or loss on it. You just acquired Bitcoin at the market value of when you received it of $37,000 or $38,000. Well, now you have $100 million. You don't owe anything on it unless you cash it out at a profit. Or, and also you can harvest losses if you cash it out as a loss. The thing is, if you cash it out in capital gains tax, we know the capital gains tax will be up to, say, let's just call it 20% plus a couple other percents for fees. If you take it as a salary, if it's a salary or you're taking out any kind of income from it, that's going to be taxed at its income. And if you're making a million dollars a year, it's going to be probably 37% or higher. The thing is, is if you have that kind of asset, you can borrow against that asset and live off of the borrowed money. Say you have $100 million in assets, you're going to go to a bank and say, can I borrow $10 million and here's my collateral for it, there's my assets right there, I'm good for it. They'll say, cool, here's a $10 million loan. And you're going to pay, this is called 2.5 or 3% interest on that, which is a lot cheaper than paying 20% in taxes or 37% in taxes. The link to this whole story, or actually the link to this Twitter thread, is in the show notes. So take a look at it and then give me an email. I've been liking doing this lately is I want to hear from you. I want to hear your opinions on it. Send me an email and tell me what you think about this means of not paying income taxes or capital gains taxes. What do you feel about this? Do you feel that it's cheating the system? Do you feel that it is do you feel that it is a loophole that needs to get plugged? Do you feel that they are doing something that should be illegal? 
And I, I just want to hear from you. I will tell you my opinions on it tomorrow. But first, I want to hear yours. Matthew Aaron at Decrypt.co. Now, let's get into those crypto prices. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. And I'm recording this at 10.15 Eastern Standard Time. Bitcoin is sitting at $37,500, up 6.5% in 24. Ethereum in the number two spot, pretty much even at $2,540. Teller's in the number three spot. Binance Coin in the number four spot at 362, up 0.7%. And Cardano's at 156 in the number five spot, down 0.3%. Running off the top 10, we have Dogecoin, XRP, USDC, Polkadot, and Uniswap. Total market cap has jumped $100 billion since the last time we were speaking to $1.63 trillion and a BTC dominance of 43.7%. In our conversation today, we talked to Josh Goodbody, CEO of Credo, and we're talking atomic swaps, P2P transactions. It's a real pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. The reason why we're talking today is we're talking about Credo, and Credo is going to bridge the traditional banks and DeFi. And I'm really interested of how that's going to work. Can you please explain? Absolutely. Yeah. A, a real pleasure to be here again. And thanks for taking the time to chat. And what we're doing at Credo is we're building the infrastructure for this rapidly emerging multi-chain universe. So we take a, a radical approach to cross-chain connectivity and we've built this decentralized MPC secured custodial and settlement layer two network. And that sounds super complex, but if I boil that down, really what that does is it allows people, anyone, whether it's an individual or an institution, to connect together, hold their assets in a decentralized way, and transact with each other across a layer two network. And we think this is super exciting because we are pretty much layer one agnostic. We can plug into any layer one blockchain, whether it's Bitcoin or Ethereum or Binance coin, and connect everybody together and get uh, settlement moving really, really quickly. Wonderful, wonderful. You said something there. You said EPC. What is that? Uh, MPC. Okay, so MPC. Oh, MPC, going- excuse me. Yeah, MPC is, without going down the rabbit hole, um, MPC is multi-party computation, which in a nutshell is a cryptographic protocol that distributes computation across different parties. So no one party can see the other person's data. And the really important thing about that is if you're using MPC to secure your data on the blockchain, you have this distributed trustless way of controlling your own assets. So instead of worrying about your private keys, instead of thinking about, you know, have I kept my seed phrase under the bed? Is it still there? Have I chucked it away? Have I lost my hardware device? Using MPC, you remove and eliminate uh, private key risk. And it's all thanks to the beauty of uh, cryptographic uh, protocols. You know, I understand how uh, people with institutional money or having a lot of money themselves personally can basically do whatever they want. What does this mean for the average consumer, the average person that has maybe a couple thousand dollars that they want to play around with? Yeah, it's a great question. And and Credo has been built by people who've come from this kind of open source, open networks world and a super experienced uh, management team that's come together. And because we believe in open systems and open networks, the Credo network is open to everyone. There is no fee for signing up and opening an account and holding your own assets um, in a self-custodial wallet on Credo. Um, fundamentally, we believe in open architecture. And, and that, you know, that ethos uh, blends itself across everything we do in the business, from it being open to everyone, from it not having service fees to be able to use the system, um, not being restricted as to what assets you can use on there. So we're really trying to have as many layer one assets from day one possible. And that also includes things like, um, you know, getting a, a native asset house at some point in the future, which will help us decentralize what we're doing even further. 
So what can the average person do with this system? Is this just basically a cross-chain atomic swaps and, and buying uh, and selling in a decentralized fashion? Yeah, so, so really Credo is a decentralized approach to crypto custody and settlement. So the average person can hold their cryptocurrencies in their Credo wallet, and they can use it as a self-custodial wallet. But then if they want to interact with someone else, if they want to swap an asset, so you said cross-chain swaps, you hit the nail on the head. If they want to swap their Bitcoin for someone else's Ethereum, we can do that atomically. There's no wrapping, there's no pegging. It happens instantly across the network. If you want to connect to an exchange, you can connect to your self-custodial wallet up to, for example, Deribit. So you're able to hold your assets within your own self-custodial wallet, but interact with everyone within the network. And that is something that both the individual retail investor finds interesting and adds value to what they're doing, as well as institutions. You know, when I said uh, traditional or institutions at the beginning, um, I guess I was thinking like banks and like JP Morgan or uh, and so on and so forth. Is it going to be able to be used by banks or individuals in banks or in the, on the trading floor there as well? Or is this more of like just an individual decentralized uh, solution? Yeah, Credo um, adds value across the spectrum of uh, the crypto ecosystem. So we can be used by existing crypto native trading firms uh, and participants, even retail users. But we have been built from the very beginning to be institutional grade. The reason we have built our architecture as we've built it is to accommodate and be able to offer an infrastructure for these incoming so-called institutions like banks, like asset managers, people that manage other people's money that have super strict security and compliance requirements. And so Credo has been built to be able to be a flexible open architecture that people can use that have the highest standards to adhere to. So banks um, are absolutely target customers of ours. We're speaking with a number of tier one banks um, across the globe, including a number of asset managers that manage very large amounts of multi-asset funds. So really Credo, we believe, will be a tool that everyone can use. Of course, institutional users will be very high in that list. 100%. Where can people find you? So we are at credo.com. We are on Twitter at Credo Network. We are a, a very vocal and chatty team. So if you want to get in contact with us, we would love for you to add us. Josh Goodbody, COO of Credo. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Matthew. And in today's headlines, Elizabeth Warren trashes Bitcoin, Dogecoin, and other cryptocurrency in a Senate hearing. In her opening statement, she says it's a fourth-rate alternative real currency, a lousy way to buy and sell things, a lousy investment, and a haven for illegal activity. And I have a conspiracy theory, which is called a, a, a slippery slope down the rabbit hole conspiracy theory about this. You bear with me with this, please. Okay, so we have Donald Trump and we have Elizabeth Warren, among other people, saying that cryptocurrency or Bitcoin is bad because of X, Y, and Z. Meanwhile, at the same time, El Salvador is making it legal tender. Here's what I think. I think that politicians know something about the U.S. dollar because they're talking directly to the Fed and they're trying to build confidence in the U.S. dollar because they see that if we lack confidence in the U.S. dollar, as we have been because we are seeing inflation, that it's going to push inflation even more to the dollar. I think that we're on a tippy point. We're on a tippy point of the dollar becoming very inflated very fast and they're trying to call out bitcoin and dogecoin and these other cryptocurrencies that money is flowing into because the people are hedging against the u.s dollars inflation and i kind of see maybe that's the same thing with el salvador now el salvador as a nation a small nation 
can't just go, hey, as by the way, they use the dollar. They can't just go, hey, uh, we're switching to the Chinese yuan or the British pound or their euro. We, they're not, they can't just do that. The United States won't let them do that. The, their economy won't let them do that. So they're trying to also hedge against the dollar that they use. They're saying, okay, look, I, I think that the United States might have a little bit bigger problem than they're letting on. And so since our hands are kind of tied with using the dollar right now, the thing that we can do is adopt Bitcoin, at least put that into our system just in case, just in case we have a little bit of an issue. And so that's El Salvador's solution. They know how teetery and how frail their economy already is. And they're saying, well, with a kind of, I don't know, maybe possibly wacky U.S. dollar system or inflation or a little bit of problems on the horizon with the U.S. dollar and the U.S. economy, we, we got to take some chances here. We need to make a solution that might work in our favor just in case shit hits the fan. And that's why I think that the politicians are coming out saying Bitcoin is bad and things like that. No matter what side of the aisle you're on, Elizabeth Warren and Donald Trump, obviously total opposites. But now they're saying the same thing about Bitcoin. Because I feel that money is flowing into Bitcoin and people are looking into Bitcoin and institutions are looking into Bitcoin because they see that maybe on the horizon, it's not too savory for the US dollar. Now, this is just a conspiracy theory. I am just kind of thinking at home. I was thinking last night and I was going, why all of a sudden Bitcoin? Why all of a sudden creating a bipartisan narrative? Why all of a sudden some of these countries are moving toward Bitcoin? And does it have to do with an inflation level that maybe might be unsavory for a lot of investors? And maybe they're just trying to change the narrative to steer that investment back to the dollar, back to using the dollar, back to the traditional system. Because here's the facts. We saw that Bitcoin being pseudo-anonymous, we were allowed to trace this ransomware, this ransomware payment, and found the wallet and confiscated the funds. There's other news in the news today about them finding Bitcoin stashes and wallets and tracing people with it because of the way that you can look at the on-chain transactions. So the haven for illegal activity, and not so much. Buying and selling things, it's not lousy at that, obviously, because people are using it. Um, a lousy investment, well, I mean, it is volatile, but you can't say it's a lousy investment. In a fourth-rate alternative to real currency? When is the second and third? Seashells? I, I don't understand what you're saying. But th that's not the point. My point is, I feel that there's an orchestrated narrative around Bitcoin because the dollar might be a little bit more unstable as we might think it is and i think that other countries might know that as well because that's why we're seeing el salvador adopting bitcoin as legal tender because they can't do anything else because they use the dollar and they have nowhere else to go but to maybe hedge make a hedge against the u.s dollar and other countries are looking at that as well and we have a bipartisan narrative that is starting to form about cryptocurrencies so are we in trouble or am i just making things up Speaking of El Salvador, the president of El Salvador said, hey, guys, guess what? Volcanoes. I mean, <laughs> OK, what are you talking about, Mr. President? The president of El Salvador, fresh off a passage of a bill to make Bitcoin legal tender, said today that he has directed the president of a state owned electricity company, La Geo, to offer facilities for Bitcoin mining with very cheap, 100 percent clean, 100 percent renewable, zero emission energy from volcanoes yes thermoelectric energy from volcanoes apparently they got some apparently they can generate electricity and he says let's mine some bitcoin and i just want to comment again because i've been thinking more about this on the twitter spaces that the president of el salvador was in with crypto twitter like i said there was probably around sixty thousand people listening in on the 
president and other people in crypto Twitter asked questions, candid questions to the president and him responding. And at the same time, all this was going on in crypto Twitter and on spaces talking to the president. El Salvador's legislative branch was voting on this bill to make Bitcoin a legal tender, which passed with the supermajority. I just want to say, and I want to point out how amazing it is that we have this kind of technology, that this we have this kind of community or this kind of, I say, communication ability to have, and by, by the way, how times have changed, that a president of a country is sitting down with influencers and people from Twitter to discuss legislation and discuss innovation and finances and in situations within their country. This is unprecedented. This is the biggest town hall roundtable situation. Like, do you understand how amazing that is? Wait till people like Macron and Boris Johnson and even maybe the president of the United States just gets on a Twitter space and opens it up to a forum and allows people to ask him questions candidly from the American people. That would be amazing. So I want to point out how big of an event that was, not so much for just El Salvador and Bitcoin, but just communication from our governments to the people. I have a lot of opinions today. I'm really sorry about that. Crypto hardware wallet manufacturer Ledger has raised $380 million in a Series C funding round. The company's implied valuation is now around $1.5 billion. And finally, crypto exchange Kraken has announced that it would disable margin trading for some U.S. residents from June 23rd in light of regulatory guidance. Margin trading involves an investor borrowing funds from a third party, in this case, the exchange, to make trades for more than they actually own. Kraken allows users to trade margins up to five times their initial value. According to a blog post by Kraken, U.S. residents will need to be verified at the intermediate level on the exchange and self-certify as an eligible contract participant or ECP under the U.S. law. Individuals are required to have assets of $10 million invested on a discretionary basis, while institutional clients need to have $10 million in total gross assets. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. Please go to Apple Podcasts, like, subscribe, share, and leave us a comment. Those comments help us stay visible, give people confidence to click on the show, and gives me feedback. You can also give me feedback by going to MatthewAaron at Decrypt.co. Until tomorrow, happy hodling, everyone.